This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of fun. He's off to his couch for the day to gorge on sport and probably to think of easy questions for Ireland's easiest quiz, which is up to €500 Euros next week. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll be hearing from a busker who's had to change how he works and how he uses tap and tip technology, the internet, and new online innovation to make a living as a busker in the new COVID reality. I'll be talking to Thomas Clark, who owns and operates the Fig Tree Restaurant on High Street in Kilkenny. He'll be telling us how his in-house salad dressing is winning awards and landing on a supermarket shelf near you soon. And John Hurley of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce will be dropping by to tell us all about this year's Kilkenny Business Awards. He'll be joined by Mags Clancy, Commercial Director of Global Payments Company Transformation as well as being a director of Kilkenny Chamber. Mags is a former winner of the Employee of the Year Award at the Kilkenny Business Awards, and she'll be telling us how, despite whatever international success a business achieves, winning on your home patch tops it all. But first, to economist Charp, topping podcaster and regular contributor to the bottom line Jim Power. Before we came on air I caught up with Jim to talk about business and the economy. When last we talked on air we were in the middle of the gradual reopening process in early summer. Now with 90% plus of the population vaccinated and business returning to something approaching a new normal I asked him how he sees business and the economy as we head into the final quarter of 2021. Yeah, John, we, we've come through a really fascinating couple of months in the sense that the vaccine rollout, having been quite tardy in the beginning, has really, really ramped up in recent times. And when you get a county like Waterford with 99.8% of the over 18s vaccinated, uh, it just tells us as a country uh, the sort of success we've achieved. And of course, as was always going to be the case, uh, the opening up of the economy was going to be totally dependent on the vaccine rollout and the success of the vaccine program. So it, it is working well, you know, notwithstanding uh, the Delta variant and so on, the, the opening up of the economy is going well. And uh, I certainly get a strong sense day by day, and this is a day by day process, that there is a greater sense of normality returning to most aspects of our lives. Uh, I guess we still have this sort of dark cloud of COVID hanging over us, uh, thinking back on the fear and the paranoia and all the rest that becomes such a key part of our lives over the last 18 months or so uh, but that, that'll gradually um, evaporate so yeah I, th- I think it's all good and um, as the economy reopens not surprisingly we are seeing um, a return to normality because people were sort of arguing that we'd never revert to where we were that you know people would have totally different attitudes to driving and to everything else but you see that um, traffic levels in Dublin at the end of August were about 97% of 2019 levels and about 88% for the rest of the country. So as the economy is reopening, 
people in in many respects not all but in many respects people are actually seeking to try and get back to uh, what they regard as normality as quickly as possible um, it, it's a pity in some ways but uh, aspects of it but in an overall sense yeah it is great to see this sense of normality return and the economy is coming back very very strongly uh, consumer spending all of those accumulated savings that built up 134 billion in household savings at the end of July those savings are gradually starting to find them their way into the economy and uh, many businesses I talk to you know are very upbeat about what they're seeing but and I guess this is the dark cloud as we enter into the final quarter of the year uh, there are labor shortages uh, there are serious supply chain difficulties uh, we've had the, the the rise in gas prices the impact that is having on CO2 which is an important part of the drinks industry for example both soft and alcoholic drinks um, it's, it's used for uh, stunning cattle so that that's certainly having an impact we're seeing packaging costs rising we're seeing construction materials rising so we're seeing a lot of supply chain difficulties um, related to COVID but also related to Brexit yeah. and uh, indeed I get a sense that people are worried about um, the shelves over the coming months. Yeah, and it's interesting to look across the Irish Sea to uh, the UK. They're really, uh, the Brexit thing is coming home to roost. They have the challenges everybody else has, but they also have Brexit, which is making it very difficult for the UK economy. Yeah, but Brexit, from a UK perspective, and I, I said this recently in a podcast, and I was accused of being totally biased, but in my view, and I stand over it, I think from a UK perspective, Brexit has been an unmitigated disaster. Um, when you see British retailers, many of whom were pro-Brexit, not all, are now looking for EU truck drivers to be allowed into the UK. Uh, that That's extraordinary. Mm. Um, it is so ironic when you see the, uh, you know, the shelves in the supermarkets in the UK um, devoid of certain products. So it's, it's, it's mad stuff and um, uh, coming on top of the supply chain difficulties created by COVID generally, mm. uh, Brexit is, is just, as I say, I think it's an unmitigated disaster for the UK. And it's it's what is quite amazing is how sort of um, unblemished Boris Johnson is by the whole thing. I mean, this is his baby. Get Brexit done. Mm. Brexit is really going to deliver good things for the UK. And it's anything but... Yeah, and they're right up there with uh, uh, Barack Obama's uh, jibe about being back of the queue for a, a trade deal. Looks like it's pretty accurate as well. It is It is indeed. I mean, I, I always thought it mad that, you know, Britain would walk away from a market of whatever, 380 million people um, to do trade deals with countries thousands of miles away with strong cultural differences, etc. And this view that the United States would be queuing up to do a trade deal with the UK. Uh, I always thought that stuff was fanciful and it is turning out to be fanciful. So I go back to the point, you know, walking away from totally free access to a huge European market, bigger than the US market, made no sense whatsoever mm. and still makes no sense. Um, the UK economy, they're looking at uh, much higher inflation than they were expecting. You know, as you said, the Brexit um, uh, impacts, nev- negative impacts are looking really large like many people like yourself expected them to be. Does that have any uh, potential negative blowbacks for the Irish economy? You know, the UK obviously an important market. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, one of the immediate um, responses to Brexit was significant weakening of sterling. Um, in the past, throughout UK history, during periods of sterling weakness, what followed was a surge in UK exports because they became much more competitive. That has not happened this time round for a variety of reasons. One is COVID. The second is uh, leaving the European Union has just prevented that export boost from weak sterling. And in fact, the only real impact weak sterling has had is on the price of imports. And imported goods prices in the UK are rising strongly. And that is coming on top of um, an, an already... Uh, all, all price pressures that were already in the domestic economy because of Brexit and COVID. So from an Irish perspective, um, thankfully our reliance on the UK is a lot less than it was in the past. Unfortunately, and this is borne out in our trade statistics, the agri-food sector is finding life difficult in the UK market. But at a general economic level, um, our reduced dependence on the UK is really, I think, protecting Ireland from the Brexit disaster that is unfolding in the UK. But, you know, one of the consequences is uh, the stuff that we're importing from the UK is becoming more expensive. Um, and some we can't get, but what we can get is becoming more expensive. So definitely what's happening in the UK inflation side is going to feed through to higher prices here as well. And, and this is the, the sort of the, the, the concerns I have about going into the winter. Um, it is the cost of living and indeed mm. the cost of doing business yeah. um, is likely to be significantly stronger. And what's happening on the gas side um, is pretty significant at the moment. Um, all I would say um, is a sense of optimism is that uh, come into 2022, when these various problems on the gas supply side start to iron themselves out as they should, as certain developments happen, such as the Russian-German Nord Stream to um, gas pipeline coming on stream that you should see gas supplies coming back again but getting from here to there is going to be challenging so um, uh, unfortunately consumers are facing um, definitely a more expensive winter Mm. Uh, Just uh, we're coming up to the end of September uh, traditionally uh, the time when attention turns to the budget in uh, your podcast with Chris Johns you asked the uh, question recently uh, is it time to abolish the budget I get the sense that you think it is but there's not much of a chance it's kind of a political day out I'm totally cynical about the budget John to be perfectly honest because the minister will stand up the two ministers they will speak for an hour and a half at least between the two of them they will announce a whole load of small measures, we will all wake up the following morning either slightly better off or slightly worse off. Uh, Budgets are much ado about nothing and in my view, uh, fiscal policy should actually evolve from day to day and from week to week throughout the year, um, not be put down to one day of announcements that's used for um, political gratification. Mm. Uh, But listen, that's fanciful stuff. I can talk about that forever, it ain't going to happen. The budget is going to remain a key part of the economic and political calendar here. And on October 12th, we're going to see the next example of that. Uh, The minister's 
do not have much money to play with um, and what they do have to play with will be spread across a lot of different areas. Mm. Um, I, I think the key issues will be uh, you know, the post-COVID economy, um, the, the implications of that, and particularly the gradual reduction in the support for employment through the pandemic unemployment payment and also for businesses through the employment wage subsidy scheme. Uh, the winding down of those schemes because I think PUP has to go totally as quickly as possible because it is causing labour supply difficulties for the hospitality industry and retail particularly. What are the dangers of that becoming a political football do you think Jim? Of of course you you know you already see politicians in opposition particularly on the left arguing that this is having another go at workers Um, so yeah it, it, it is of course going to become a political football but if you stand back in the coal light of day um, it does not make economic sense now to continue to pay the PUP because labour shortages are now a feature of many sectors rather than labour surpluses as was the case so they have to go but politically it's going to be challenging and the other bit that's going to be challenging is the employment wage subsidy scheme you see there are a number of sectors and businesses out there that, you know, despite the opening up, they're still struggling because they have a lot of debt legacy built up during the period of lockdown. You know, I'm talking about some retailers, I'm talking about the hospitality sector, pubs, hotels, restaurants, etc. That they have a legacy of debt after COVID. So it will take them some time to return to what we would describe as a more stable equilibrium. And until they get there, um, they will have to continue to get support. But the challenge, of course, for the state is to wind down those supports in a in an orderly way. Climate change is obviously going to be a key part of the budget, and we are going to see you know further increase in the carbon tax, which will impact on petrol and diesel prices and home heating oil, uh, because the government has committed to taking carbon taxes uh, gradually higher over the remainder of this decade. So we'll see another step in that direction. We're also likely to see changes to the tax treatment of cars, the VRT, the vehicle registration tax, um, which is likely to increase significantly the price of the more polluting vehicles. Uh, But I think even the EVs will become more expensive. And um, the other overriding theme in the budget will be trying to restore some semblance of order to the public finances, get rid of all of that excess borrowing that we built up over the last 18 months. And Pascal Donoghue, the minister, has said that he intends doing that over the next couple of budgets. All that ahead of us Jim, but for the moment, thanks very much for joining us. You're very welcome John, my pleasure. Jim Power, friend of the show, uh, telling us his perspective on the Irish economy as we head into the final quarter of 2021. And one of the highlights for the business community in Kilkenny in the coming quarter is bound to be uh, a new and bigger and better. Not new, but it'll be new for people who haven't had uh, an award ceremony for the last two years. The Kilkenny Business Awards will be back after the break. I'm really looking forward to chatting to John Hurley, Director of of uh, Kilkenny Chamber and Mags Clancy who's a former winner, sponsor, judge, applicant, you name it in the Business Awards and we'll be getting their perspective after these. At the heart of it all KCLR 
Indeed, you're listening to Casey Lord, the bottom line, the programme Foreign About Business is just coming up to 23 and a half minutes after nine o'clock. Now, um, if a bit of excitement is in my voice, it's because I'm delighted to welcome two guests to the studio, which over the last 18 months has been a very rare thing. But as uh, business and the economy and indeed society uh, returns to a post-COVID normal or a COVID normal, um, we're able to get people in. And just to reassure people, we are following all the COVID protocols and we have screens and we still sanitise and we'd encourage you to do that. But I'm del- delighted to join, uh, to have joined me in the studio, John Hurley, who's the CEO of Kilkenny Chamber, and also Mags Clancy, who, as well as being commercial director at Transformate, is a director of Kilkenny Chamber. But Mags, you've also been a former winner of an award. Uh, your company has won. You won an individual uh, award. You're now a director of Kilkenny Chamber. I could go on, but it's been a great experience for you to be involved with the the Kilkenny Business Awards. Um, You did really well in 2017, which sounds like a long time ago, but it's one of the more recent awards. Absolutely. Oh, God, I remember it fondly. But, um, yeah, I suppose you're dead right, John. Um, um, I suppose even four years ago, like, I, I wasn't really involved in the Chamber at all. And then somebody nominated me for Employee of the Year, so... Um, I had to fill out the application form, go through the whole process. At the time, I actually did the interview online remotely because I was in San Antonio at a sales event for Transformate. So something like 5am in the morning that I did that interview. Really? Uh, yeah, it was brilliant now. And it was really good. We were set up for it at the time. Um, but you were a bit brilliant. kind of wet behind the ears, yeah, kind of yeah, like coming like into... Back then, being on a, a screen was, was, was entirely different. But anyway, um, and then there's, you know, you go through the whole process of your application form, you go through your interview and then there's the night itself. And like for me, there was an opportunity for me to sit with colleagues and family at a table being so completely nervous, um, just being excited to be there, whatever about winning. Right. Um, And I think when I look back, that's that's definitely probably the best day I've had in, in my career because... Really? Yeah, I'd look at it fondly because I suppose I was recognised externally. You know, I'd have always had encouragement from my bosses, from Terry and Sinead, telling me you're doing a great job. But but to be told this externally and to, to get some exposure was great. But it's not just... Um you know, uh, Transformate and yeah. Clune Technology. Yeah. It's an international business. Yes. You've been recognised around the world. But to yeah. hear you say that, you know, to win locally means yeah. so much. Everything. So, like, I mean, I'll just explain on, on scale of what we do. So Transformate would have 30 offices around, um, you know, across six different continents. Uh, when I would have started 11 years ago, there was about three in the sales team. Now there's 140 in commercial. Uh, we're HQ'd out of Kilkenny. To give you an idea of the scale of what we do, we've processed about 20 billion, um, you know, in, in money around the world because we make payments and receive payments for businesses. Um but we had went for awards around the world. You know, we'd 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 won awards over in London, and I would ring home and tell my mum, you know, yeah, it's, we've won such and such award, and she would say, "All oh, right, and will this be on the Kilkenny People?" Um, well, might be on the Financial Times. We might have to buy that one this Sunday, you know. So, um, when we um, went for the awards, then as a business, 
um, a year later, I, I would have went and did those interviews and you were interviewed by a panel of people. I mean, there's a whole process involved. You have to put pen to paper and I suppose we learned about our business that we to, like, we're talking to people who don't know anything about what we do. And I had listened actually to John Hurley um, speaking at an event in the run-up to it and he said specifically that it wasn't about the size of your company, it was about the story that you have to tell. Um, so I suppose when we were there on the night in 2017, I suppose we, we also um, used the night itself to bring our colleagues together. We kind of used it as a team building mm. event, like in Lyrath. How bad? How bad Night indeed. out. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it, um, it brings so many yeah. different benefits to your business to even to be there yeah. connecting with others on the night, you know. Um, and then for us, I mean, we won and you're ringing your your parents there was grandparents and everyone was so proud yeah, because yeah. we were recognized locally for yeah, what means we do. Yeah, means a huge amount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. John, can I bring you in there John uh, Hurley CEO mentioned by Mags there. Um obviously, you know, you can hear from Mags the the value of it, the recognition, the the joy and all that sort of stuff. But Covid put a stop to that the actual physical events. We had an event which we ran with you uh, last year, Bobby Kerr uh, and Mrs. Donahue, you know, recognised uh, locally. But it's fantastic and you're back. Tell us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm very excited really uh, at the prospect of getting back to, um, you know, perhaps as many as 500 people in a room <laughs> celebrating success, just as Gosh. Mags has said. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic occasion um, and the key thing here is that it's an event uh, and an opportunity for absolutely everybody. Mm. Big business, small business and non-business people as well because mm. non-business people, ordinary Joe Soaps like all the rest of us, we engage with sh- shops and businesses. We buy things and we use their services and we do experience excellence mm. from time to time and, and they're, they're the stories we want now, to Max hear about. Now Mags talked about the process and people can have great trust in the process because I know that there is a very detailed process. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're very particular about it. This The Chamber does not choose the winners. Uh, we have an independent panel of judges. They're experts in their field um, and each judging panel has three judges. So it's not down to any one individual. Mm. All the decisions are made jointly uh, and they're out completely out of my hands and the hands of the board of the Chamber. Yeah, so and I was involved in it once and it, it's a very difficult thing to mm. judge. You might have different types yeah. of, of um, businesses, businesses and sometimes it could be like inches or millimetres yeah. so to speak between mm-hmm. the, the different businesses you were a judge Mike's tell us about that experience yeah like oh it's it's a phenomenal thing to do I mean somebody has to do it you know what I mean um and um but like I would have spoke to businesses like um you know non-profits you know you've your um Ballyhale Tea Rooms spoke with um uh Ballykeef amphitheatres like Buggy Motors so I suppose such a diverse um, range of businesses that we spoke to and they're telling their story and it's just phenomenal. You're mm. coming back to the kitchen that evening and you're thinking, yeah, yeah. oh my God, we must go out to Ballyhale, um, what they're doing out there for their community. I mean, you're just, it's, it's such an opportunity for them to bring forward 
their stories, you know. And yeah, as John said, like it could be like we spoke to entrepreneurs that were just on their own and they were literally coming in and, you know, from the kitchen to literally sit down and tell us their story and such a busy day. But it's worth it because for that entrepreneur, it will get them used to pitching their business yeah. as well. It's a good opportunity. And John, over the year, over the last 18 months, there have been, you know, people stood around wringing their hands, going like, oh, everything is terrible and, and so on. But the business community, the amount of pivoting that's been going on, the changing, the development, there's a huge amount of positivity out there. And you're going to recognise this could be bigger and better than ever. Uh, absolutely. There are amazing stories to be told following the really challenging uh, 18 months that we've been through um, and, and we want to hear about those. In actual fact, we have a new award category in there, uh, Best Business Pivot in the Pandemic Award. Uh, again, just to, to really um, hone in on what has happened, what was it like for you, what happened to your business, what action did you take and how did it all work out? Uh, and we, that, That's a very popular category actually. Uh, we'd also just remind employers, uh, there's two categories in there employer of the year and employee of the year and Mags of course is a recipient of the employee of the year and it makes a great difference it's a great opportunity for employers to give a pat in the back and show appreciation to some fantastic work done by their, their staff and it must be fanta- have been fantastic and still fantastic for you Mags to have received that employee yeah. of the year yeah it yeah. was brilliant like um, I think the only way I could kind of describe this to someone is you know I had gone for a different national awards and you know I made it into different competitions and that was great but this was sort of like winning a county final um, I have to say it was kind of like you know you were yeah. winning on your own terms, uh, which is meant to be better yeah, yeah it is yeah. It, the feeling is just so much better and I think to describe it to Kilkenny people that's what it is county final yeah uh, yeah absolutely but um, like no I, I have to say even then you know if you're lucky enough to win there were other opportunities that came out of it like I was invited down here to speak about Transformate um, on the radio there was kind of the social media side of it and the pictures and everything was retweeted. Mm. Like Transformate would be members of different chambers around the world. And when we saw like the Irish American chamber retweeting us, you know, it it can get really big. Networks all develop locally and grow. To explain that on the night, like with Transformate, so we were all up on stage having the time of our lives, winning the overall business. And we came back down to the table and we actually had people approach us that were saying, are you recruiting? So at the time we had, um, and we still do actually, um, we had a massive recruitment drive going on and, you know, people came up to me that were looking to come back from Dublin, um, you know, to get back to Kilkenny. They didn't know that Transformate would have such positions. I think it was a Spanish speaker at the time. Yeah, you know. John, um, uh, you know, businesses are reopening. People are very busy. You know, many businesses are perhaps only bedding in to have and reopened after, uh, after months. Um, what's involved in applying and briefly if you would what are, what are the key dates and what are the things about the process okay so we're at the nomination phase which is the very start of the whole process now and anybody can nominate and you can nominate even yourself or your own business uh, there's no limit you can nominate as many times as you like and there's very little effort involved it's all online it's really just a, a couple of quick clicks and if you know your name and the name of the nominee and all of that and that's it you've no more to do we then contact those nominees and invite them to 
take part in the process from there on. There'll be forms and stuff for them and that. But the nomination phase, which is now until next Wednesday, uh, and then they'll be closing. Uh, so now's the time to get involved. And don't wait for someone else to do it. Yeah, but someone else can do it. So someone like, else can do it. Yeah, and that's but, very but important. So if people are out there listening and like to nominate the local vegetable shop or whatever, yeah, they can actually do that. Absolutely. Well, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, talking to you both Mags you'd heartily recommend it uh, yeah. to other businesses yeah, I really would it's about getting the word out there putting yourself out there it's time to kind of you know get out of the grump of the pandemic as well let's, Absolutely. let's try and move on and tell our positive stories and you know um, reap the benefits from it and John uh September 29th is the key date so get your nominations in Absolutely. get the nominations in and the big awards night is November the 20th Okay, so November the 20th. Put a date in your diary and book early, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, thanks very much. That was John Hurley, CEO of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and also Mags Clancy, Commercial Director at Transformate Global Payments HQ in Kilkenny, of course. Now, last Friday night, uh, the 17th, was Culture Night with cultural activities taking place in venues up and down the country, including in Kilkenny, where, uh, having spotted them on the parade a couple of weeks previously, I met with busker David Owens with the music industry as a whole being so hugely impacted since the start of the pandemic. I was interested in speaking with David, who, travelling with a piano, a grand piano no less, in a camper van, seemed to be a busker with a difference. I started our chat by asking him to tell me more about how his whole business model had been disrupted by COVID. Yeah, for sure. So the last four years before COVID, I was living in Dublin and uh, I was a Grafton Street busker, a licensed busker there and uh, had a great time. But obviously, like like every musician, my job went with COVID and uh, and our licenses were, were kind of uh, disrupted for a year. There was a little bit in the middle, but uh, mostly not able to play for a whole year on Grafton Street. So uh, I kind of gave up at the end. I decided, okay, I can't, can't just wait around for the government to let us play. And I noticed that buskers were playing in other cities where there were no licenses. So I uh, spent the last of my savings on a camper van, and I uh, put the piano on the back of it and started travelling around Ireland. And it's been a it's been a great adventure so far, to be honest. And uh, how's it been received? And what are the challenges in lugging a piano around and amplification and getting electricity? Is it is it a, an obstacle that's easy enough to overcome? Uh, I wouldn't say it's easy. It's it's easy if you if you know what you're doing. I have a background in in science, so I kind of knew how to to do the powering and stuff. And I have a lot of lithium batteries. Uh, so if you, if you know what you're doing, it's not it's not super complicated. Obviously, the main thing is the weight uh, and parking. You know, so I have about 130 kilograms that I lug around. So if I can't park very close to where I'm playing, it can get very very sweaty. And uh, obviously, you have to set up and set down each time. Uh, so that those are the bits of busking that I think people mightn't mightn't see, and they shouldn't see. You know, it's kind of the whole point of a show is that like you're just you're just there, and it's a kind of a a fun, exciting thing that's there for a few hours, and then it's gone again. Whereas they don't see you know lugging your piano to the van again. <laughs> now, initially, I think when you started busking, it was a guitar and a hat. Uh, you have a piano now, but one of the things of COVID is people aren't carrying cash as much. How are you managing against that particular struggle? That's true. Yeah, once I started busking again, I noticed very quickly that people weren't carrying cash at all anymore, or much less than they used to. And so uh, I got a credit card machine and uh, and just a Bluetooth thing on my phone, and started, started having it on two euros, so people could just tap it when they went past. And that's worked super well, much better than I thought thought it would. And uh, a lot of people are just tipping out of the novelty. I think they appreciate that people are trying to adapt with the times, you know. And how have people reacted to that? Is it possible to say that, you know, takings are up or has the, the transition to cashless busking been a, a negative or a positive? 
I'd say it's about the same overall. It's kind of crossed over directly. It's hard to know because <clears throat> this year's all been Irish tourists, of course. So next year it'll be the hopefully the first time back to normal busking, really. And uh, I suppose that'll be the test of it. But so far it's been fine. Yeah. And I've seen a QR code as well on, on the front of your busking position. Tell us what that does. So someone scans it with their phone. Where does it bring them? It brings them to a website called busk.co, busk.co. It's a website run by these buskers I met in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And they set it up for, for other buskers. And uh, you can go there and you can tip with Apple Pay or Revolut or any of the normal, normal ways. So it's very easy for us to set up if you're not technical, you know. And I see uh, not only do you perform live, but you've got a number of recordings as well of original material. How does that go for you? Yeah, so that's my main thing I do with busking. I, I do a few covers to try and draw a crowd and then pull them in and then I try and show them my music and hopefully at the end I'll sell some. So I sell CDs, USBs and finals. And you've been at it about seven or eight years, if I'm not mistaken. Is it a career path, do you think, and is it a viable thing long term? It's hard to know. I can't see myself doing it when I'm 50, just physically. It'll be, I don't know if I'll be able for it that long, but uh, at the moment I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, it's one of those things I don't see myself being at Sheeran anytime soon but uh, but I hope to keep going and, and hopefully grow the grow the show size if I could be at a point that I can play kind of wheel and size venues for the rest of my life then that'd be great We've heard a lot about businesses pivoting uh, is that a fair description of what you've had to do with your musical career since that dreadful virus arrived about 18 months ago? I guess so yeah for all of us it changed our plans I think I tried to see the best out of it I spent a lot of the time writing and I think my writing's improved an awful lot in the last two years so short term obviously it's not great financially but I think my, uh, the next 20 years will go slightly better is it, because of it so. At the heart of it all you're an artist you write and perform your own material how's Covid been from a creative point of view? Uh, very good to be honest <laughs> like, uh, and I've done interviews when I felt, I felt kind of bad saying that because you feel a bit of guilt it's obviously very very hard on a lot of people myself included in some ways but in that particular aspect in creativity I found it amazing to, to not have to go you know, somewhere every day because the government obviously gave us some, some money the PUP and that was a, that was a life saver it really was for me and it meant I had more time than ever to write and that's all I've ever really wanted to do so I was happy out but in being an artist, you've also had to take account of the realities of business. Have you learned new skills uh, over the last 18 months and developing your particular model? Yeah, I think I've, I've figured out a little bit more what works and what doesn't on the street and try to hone that down a little bit, especially as I get older. I don't want to be wasting any time. You know, I've been busking so long that I kind of know what I'm doing. But I think having that break and stepping back can make you reassess everything from both a, an artistic point of view and a business point of view. And uh, and hence the camper van for me, you know, not paying rent in Dublin is a, is a huge help. Great. Well, listen, it's all about the music. Perhaps you'd do us the honour of playing a piece of your music. David Owens, thank you very much. To a better way More higher More higher Oh Deep down I know I'll never change Oh, I will stay the same More higher More higher More
Busker David Owens there uh, performing live on his grand piano when I met him uh, up at Castle Yard on Culture Night uh, Friday night week ago and a very good event it was too and well done to uh, Nicky Reid and everyone involved there. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back uh, with the inspiring story of a man who uh, used COVID very constructively. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Local at heart. Casey Law, indeed. It's just 14 minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, owners, operators and staff working in restaurants and cafes had a really rotten 18 months as indoor dining was locked down, disrupted and devastated and reopened and locked down again. And it was really horrific. One Kilkenny cafe owner... Meanwhile, Thomas Clark, who runs the Fig Tree Restaurant in High Street in Kilkenny, used the time to develop a business idea he'd been slowly developing uh, before COVID. And now his original Fig Tree honey and mustard salad dressing is getting on the shelves. This week, it's been one of 14 local businesses shortlisted as finalists in the Blasnaherrn Awards. And uh, as I said, it's starting over the last couple of months to appear on supermarket shelves. Yesterday afternoon, I dropped along to the fig tree on High Street to meet Thomas and chat to him about his business journey. Thomas Clark, tell us about your business at uh, the Fig Tree Restaurant, how you were getting on pre-COVID and, and before you went into uh, your salad dressing sideline business let's start by calling it that hi john uh great to be on the show here today um i suppose pre-covid uh we started out back in 2011 um when there was a, an initial downturn um and during that time i developed the dressing um to go onto the plates you know so that uh, it wouldn't run off the plate and into the into the bread or into the wraps and, and make them soggy and uh, i suppose that's how the dressing came about initially and it took me a while uh, you know i suppose to get to the stage where i am uh, even thinking about putting it into a, a super value or into an aldi store uh, and to look at that kind of a scale uh, of, of making the product and is it fair to say that it was always on your to-do list? You had talked to the local enterprise office, etc. But COVID, in a way, gave you the the kick to bring it along to the next level. That's right. Um, yeah, we we did. We talked to to the Leo office, and they were extremely helpful um, and gave us a lot of of guidance and mentoring. Um, definitely, COVID uh, spurred me to put it into the, the into the stores, into the super values and the Aldis. Um, it gave me that time, that freedom that I didn't have when I was working in the restaurant, because uh, the restaurant is 24-7, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so having that break from it uh, gave me time to focus on, on this side of the business, which, which I was really grateful for, to be honest. And sitting in September 2021, it's easy for us to forget. We were talking before we started recording about trying to remember the different lockdowns, but it was really difficult for people in indoor dining. You, you were closed for months at a time. You had a lot of space, but just tell us about the process of developing the product, bringing it from here in the centre of Kilkenny onto the, the shelves, as you said. Yeah, well, I suppose um, you could go back to 2018 um, when my wife, Helen, and myself decided uh, that we would decide to, to bring it to the multiples. Um, and having gone to Leo, um, we were 
then advised to go to St Angela's College up in Sligo um, to have the product shelf life tested. And that's done over a period of 12 months, believe it or not. So we gave them maybe 18 bottles of the dressing. Um, they put them into a, a controlled environment and every month they would take out a bottle and check it um, you know, for, for bacteria levels. And then at the end of the 12-month process, you know, um, they can tell you whether it has lasted or how long it is going to last. So thankfully ours lasted uh, over the 12 months. They also did a gluten-free test on the product because a lot of our customers in the restaurant would have um, dietary issues and specifically with, with, with dressing. So they, they had asked me, um, you know, was the dressing gluten-free? So I ensured that the, the mustard that we use in the dressing is a gluten-free mustard. And I suppose one of the, the key things that I, I was really anxious about was to use Irish products as much as I could. Now, obviously, the mustards uh, don't come from Ireland, but um, our cold-pressed rapeseed oil is an Irish product and is the, you know, the core main ingredient in the dressing. And supporting local, I know from talking to you, is very important because I suppose COVID brought that home as well and, and you rely on local business, local trade. So when you're developing a business, uh, supporting local suppliers as, as far as you can has been important to you. Very important, uh, John, um, definitely. Without locals, um, no business is going to survive. Kilkenny, as you know, is a tourist town. Um, but the tourists are not here all year round and we do definitely need our locals and when our locals you know come in and support us um, and other businesses support other businesses um, it's like we're all holding hands and that chain becomes stronger and so when I never knew about the process of ascertaining the the shelf life of things it's actually done in real time you had to wait that must be a suspenseful period but when you had that done then you knew uh, you had the gluten levels uh, checked and so on so you were good to go then COVID came along and kind of nipped your plans in the bud to get on the shelves. It did, yes. We were due to um, go on the shelves in the super value as part of the uh, Food Academy programme. Um, the week that COVID, we were locked down. <laughs> so uh, I was a, maybe a month behind on that uh, because we had some issues getting bottles in and uh, the packaging, uh, everything kind of slowed down there for a while. Uh, but eventually we, we got on the shelves and it, I suppose it was a little bit more difficult because generally when you would be on the shelf, um, you would go into the store, you do demonstrations or tastings and because it's a new product it's sitting on the shelf there with hundreds of other products um, so it's not very visible I suppose to the shopper you know generally people go in they have a list that you know they know what they want to buy for the week and and they go in and, and in and out and especially with COVID people were you know there was only one person out of the family going in uh, doing their shopping so it was kind of an in and out experience so that that was uh, difficult yeah but you're on the shelves now and you've been uh, shortlisted in this year's Bloss Naheran awards competition not the only award uh, you've been up for but um how are you feeling about the future and what next for the fig tree salad dressings and i also note you've got a pink grapefruit salad dressing yeah um I suppose you can't just uh, stand stand still. You have to keep developing your products. Um, so we won two awards there last year with Bloss. We got a silver for our Honey and Cayenne and the uh, bronze for the original house dressing. And this year we entered our products again um, into the Bloss and our pink grapefruit dressing is up for an award this year. So 
I'm not sure which one we're going to get, but we'll know on the 2nd of October. So you've tickled uh, people's taste buds uh, today. As I said to you before we started recording, the only solid dressing I was aware of before was Paul Newman's. There's a big gap in the market for Irish salad dressings. Where can people get your fig tree salad dressings? So this, uh, my salad dressing can be bought in the locally in the Super Values uh, in Kilkenny, any of them. And also from this Sunday, uh, it will be in the Aldi stores. So we're really delighted about that. And I suppose, again, a key feature with the dressings are that they, apart from being gluten-free, uh, they're vegan and vegetarian. So, you know, they should appeal to a wide variety of people. And um, not, not just as a salad dressing. I mean, you, you, you can use them as a marinade, marinade your chicken or fish um, before you cook them. And it, it adds a nice flavour to, to the end product. And of course, you can drop in here for a snack, a meal or a cup of tea or coffee as well. You absolutely can, John. I would be delighted to see uh, people coming in the door and supporting us. Um, it's badly badly needed um, and obviously you can get the dressing in store we'd be more than happy to, to supply it The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants our website onf.ie shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small at the heart of it all Indeed, at the heart of it all, and as the time just comes up to five minutes uh, away from, oh, sorry, three minutes away from uh, 10 o'clock, that's about all we've got time for this week. Just before that, uh, the break, you heard Thomas Clark from The Fig Tree, one of 14 local businesses fo- uh, shortlisted as finalists in the Blossna Heron Awards. Uh, it's a real who's who of local uh, good food around Bakery, Callum Bacon, Goatsbridge, Highbank Orchard, Nature's Oils and Sources, Liz Duggan Farms, uh, the Kilkenny Food Company, Truffle Fairy, Fairy Bia, Ur, Carlo Brewing, Jump Juice Series and Sunshine Juices. What fantastic businesses we've got locally. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclaw96fm.com and you can listen back to the show anywhere online. Thanks to all our guests this week. Uh, Jim Power, John Hurley, Margaret Clancy, David Owens and Thomas Clark. Big thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show. Thanks to her but most of all, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week just after nine on Saturday morning. Stay tuned to KCLR between now and then. We've got lots going on. Edward Hayden is next but until we speak again, continue to keep your distance and try and do the right things. Look after yourself and keep the faith and now I'm off. It's a lovely day. It's a balmy 16 degrees in Kilkenny and 17 in Carlow. Not too bad a day at all. Until we speak again next week. Have yourself a good week. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.onf.ie